This is a Baby Brunch Podcast. Welcome to another Baby Brunch Podcast. Today, we're talking about getting the snip. Yes, vasectomies. A big thank you to FedHealth. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control, and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you. We're chatting to Dr. Ronald James Urey. He is a specialist urologist and an accredited robotic surgeon who's based in Gauteng in Midrand. If you want to know more about him, you can go to urologycare.co.za. But we've got his time today because I want to talk about vasectomies. Dr. First of all, welcome to Parent and Baby Brunch. Thanks, Ilana. Thank you so much for having me. I want to start with the question, what is a vasectomy? Okay, so... Um, a vasectomy is a procedure which we do for male contraception. It's a surgical procedure, and the goal of the procedure is to basically stop the delivery of sperm from the testes to the ejaculatory system, and we do that by a small procedure where we cut the vas deferens. The vas deferens is the tubule which carries the sperm, so that's in essence what a vasectomy is. Now, immediately, I feel quite emotional about it because, you know, we are all mothers or parents and we are in the business of raising children. So if you say to me that you are stopping or that it's a contraception or my husband will no longer be able to give me this baby, it makes me feel a little bit emotional. Is there, is there some form of therapy that people do leading up to this? Is there a conversation, an extensive one that that you as the uh, urologist take people through in order to prepare them for this final step of not being able to conceive? Uh, very much so. Um, I don't think that someone needs to have specific therapy, for, therapy, for example, with a psychologist. But right. I, I insist that all my patients come in for a face-to-face -face consultation. And we spend about 45 minutes to an hour making sure that they're ready for the procedure, going through the pros and cons and the implications of the procedure for their fertility going forwards. And I like mm. them to come in with their partners because then it's a decision which is best made um, as a couple. And I think that, that they support each other and, and they come to the decision together. Do you find that people on the day come for the procedure and they go, I don't want to do it anymore? I've never had a case like that. And I think if, if people are adequately counseled and prepared, um, then they generally are usually ready to go ahead by the time they get into the hospital. But there are people who change their minds and cancel the procedures, and, and that's absolutely the right thing to be able to do if, if you're not ready for mm. it. Right, right, right. How invasive is the procedure? So you've decided that you want to get the SNP. I mean, even the word SNP sounds painful. I yes. can think of nothing worse. <laughs> but you've now decided you want a vasectomy, and you have done all the consultation, and you've seen you as the doctor. What happens next? Okay, so in terms of invasiveness, it's, I would say, a minimally invasive procedure. It's done through a, I do a type of vasectomy called a scalpel-free vasectomy, which I think most urologists probably do. And we can do the entire procedure through about a half centimeter um, opening in the scrotal wall. Um, the, the procedure is a relatively minor procedure. We'll talk about the complications just now when we go through some of the other things about vasectomy. Um, but the recovery is very quick. It's a low-risk procedure, and um, you basically this gets done as a day case procedure. So you come in, have the procedure done in, in hospital, and go home the same day. 
Some doctors do vasectomies in their rooms, so it can be done as an in-rooms procedure under local anesthesia, and that's also something to discuss between the, the urologist and the patient. Um, I tend not to do it in my rooms, but the reason for that is because I think that you need to have a certain level of equipment available in your rooms if you're going to do surgical procedures in your rooms, and I don't have that available, so I prefer to do my, my patient's vasectomies at day hospitals. Um, that being said, it's it's a, a minor procedure, a relatively low-risk procedure. Thousands of them are done around the world every day, and the complication rate is very low. Now, when you said local anesthetic and anesthesia and scalpel-free, I'm thinking, what if you want to be completely sedated, you know, out for the count? And and then I thought of the other. So if, if yours is scalpel-free, what is it? How do they do it with a scalpel? It's just a matter that the difference between the two techniques is whether you cut the skin or whether you separate the skin with a, an instrument which is specially designed for that. And, and the difference really comes down to um, whether you cutting can can cause a little bit more pain um, and a little bit more bleeding. But it's it's really okay. not much of a big a difference, to be honest. How successful is a vasectomy? I mean, it's it's the joke amongst some moms and groups and mommy groups that, you know, you'll chat about um, breastfeeding and you thought you wouldn't fall pregnant. And I know of a girlfriend that ha- they've, they've got twins now and um, or, or the vasectomy. You know, it almost sounds like a movie. You know, he went for this vasectomy <laughs> and then it it didn't work, you know, that they have this miracle baby years later. How How successful is it? Okay, so I think that's an excellent question, and it's the sort of question which we'd go through in the counselling, but I'm happy to go through it with you now as well. And it's useful to put that question in context with other types of contraception. Um, So I've got a a few facts and figures here for the listeners, which will hopefully help them understand where a vasectomy can be placed in, in the overall context of contraception. Firstly, I think it's important to know that if you're looking at contraception, which is available for men, there's not very many options. There are some male contraceptive pills under development at the moment, but vasectomy really is the only effective and um, proven contraception for men at at this stage. So most of the contraceptive burden lies with the woman in the relationship, and this is the the one procedure which which can be done by men. Um, The vasectomy has a failure rate. The failure rate is 1 in 2,000, so it's 99.95% effective. The reason a vasectomy can fail is two things. Firstly, it can fail because of a surgical error if the, the vasectomy is not done adequately, or it can fail because the body somehow brings the two parts of the vas deferens back together and heals them. And, and we all know that the body is amazing when it comes to healing. And sometimes it just manages to, to undo what we've done in terms of having a vasectomy done. If you put that into the context of other types of contraception, in the way that, for example, barrier contraception like condoms are used um, regularly, if they're used perfectly, they're also very effective, around 99%. But the, the use which, which people have on a day-to-day basis, they can be as, as low as 82% effective, so an 18% failure rate, failure rate. The combined oral contraceptive pull in this day-to-day use is about a 91% effective, so a 9% failure rate. So vasectomy is very much extremely successful and extremely effective in causing contraception and, and resulting in, in infertility, which is what the goal of it is. Um, but nothing in medicine is 100% effective, and, and that's borne out by the, the small failure rate of 1 in 2,000. So to put that into simple terms, nearly everyone who has a vasectomy will have a successful vasectomy. So so my question is, I mean, and, and I'm, not, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm just trying to visualize. So uh, let's say that you, you are doing a scalpel-free procedure, 
and you're separating the tubes, do you do it in one or two places? And why can it mend itself? Uh, and I'm talking now in terms of the failure rate. Okay. So there's two best difference. One going from each testis towards the prostate. And so you have to do it mm -hmm. on both sides. And then the scalpel free technique goes through a small opening in the scrotal skin in the middle of the scrotum, and we can do both sides from the same opening. But there are vasectomy techniques where you do one small opening on each side and, and tackle each side on its own. Um, we usually leave a gap of about one centimeter between the two ends of the vas difference. And I take out a centimeter section of the vas difference and send it off for confirmatory testing with the pathologist to confirm that the vas, the vas difference was in fact successfully taken. And that leaves about a one centimeter gap between the two ends. Um, the body is amazing at, at, at healing and, and it can sometimes pull those two ends together. As you know, or you may know, wow. scars, scars can contract. But it's, it, it only happens in about one in 2,000 patients. So it's extremely unlikely. Have you had someone? I have not had someone who's, who's had a, a failure in my practice yet. But I haven't done 2,000 vasectomies, I don't think. Right. So it is, it is possible that, that it can fail, but it's very, very unlikely. What are what are some of the, the the risks? I mean, are there side effects? You've now had the procedure and you feel. Um, so that's that's also a very important question and something else that we go through in the counseling before having a vasectomy. Um, all surgical procedures have risks. So there's there's no zero risk surgical procedure. And luckily vasectomy is a very low risk procedure. Whenever we're doing something surgical, two common things can happen. One is bleeding, and bleeding is not usually in itself a big problem. Um, you can develop a scrotal hematoma after vasectomy where the blood from the bleeding collects inside the scrotum. And very rarely, there's an indication to go back and remove that hematoma. It's also extremely mm. uncommon. Um, and then the second thing is infection. Whenever we do anything to you, there's a chance of introducing infection. Even though we follow all the correct sterile techniques in theater, mm. um, infection can get into a wound and, and cause infection. So sometimes you need to have antibiotics or antibiotic cream on the, on the wound after the procedure. Um, in the worst case scenario with infection, the testicle itself can get infected, but that's very uncommon as well. Um, the complication rate for vasectomy is very low. It's, it's around 1% to 2%. So most, most patients who go through vasectomy don't have any significant complications. I know this is a question that, that uh, I didn't prepare you for, but uh, having a look at, at what you do, the fact that you do robotic surgery, if, if someone ha comes in for a vasectomy and they have never had their prostate checked and there's an issue, would, would this be a time that you notice it? Like, would you notice that there's problems with the prostate if they come in for a vasectomy and they didn't even know because they've never had a checkup? Well, that's also an important question. So um, when, when a patient comes in for a vasectomy consultation with me, I, I generally look at, at their age. Prostate checks need to happen from the age of, of between 40 and 45 years. And if the patient's in that age group, I offer them a prostate check at the same time. But there's nothing inherent in doing the vasectomy that we would notice something about the prostate. You have to go and do a, a specifically look at the prostate during the consultation if you want to rule out right. prostate cancer and do the prostate check. But I certainly would advise men who are in that age group when they go and see the urologist to discuss vasectomy to have a prostate check at the same time. It's, it's not nearly as bad as everyone makes out. And it's important. Um, we, we see men in our practices with prostate cancer younger than 45. And the only way they've ever been found and, and treated is because they've had their checks done. Mm. Is it a blood test or is it like in the olden days where <laughs> doctor has to wear a glove and, you know, it becomes complicated? Uh, it's actually not so bad. So we, we, we 
do do a rectal examination still. And the reason for that is because there are some prostate cancers which don't get picked up on the blood tests. And then the only way to find them is to do the rectal exam. So if you right. go to a urologist and you're going for a prostate check, you are going to get a rectal exam. That being said, a rectal exam isn't nearly as bad as everyone makes out. You see all these cartoons of the doctor with his snapping mm. his glove on and sticking his finger up. But um, yeah. it's not, not usually painful. It's usually very short. It's a little bit undignified but it, it literally takes 30 seconds and it's not painful. And it gives us an important piece of information about the patient's risk of prostate cancer. And then mm. on top of that, we do the PSA blood test um, to assess the risk of, of or to assess, um, it doesn't tell us whether or not you have got prostate cancer, but it, it gives us an indication that there's something going on in the prostate and, it, and we, we can make a call on whether we need to look a little bit further. Once again, all this testing and assessing for prostate cancer requires adequate communication and consultation between the doctor and the patient beforehand because right. there are implications to doing screening testing for prostate cancer but that's that's quite a complex discussion perhaps best for, an, uh, for a podcast on prostate cancer mm. and i have to say this too doctor i mean first of all i want to thank you for openly being willing to discuss this because there's a lot of us, us that have questions and often we don't know who to ask them to right so that's why we make these podcasts the other Absolutely. thing that i also want to say is is that uh, doctor has given us his time, and if you want a consultation, please go and see your urologist. Please go and see a doctor. Remember, doctor is not consulting. He's merely asked, answering my questions because these are questions that I had, and these are questions that some of you have sent us to our Facebook page. So, I mean, we, we're merely just addressing and literally scratching the surface of, of we, we can't solve everything in a 35-minute conversation um, and with doctor's time. So uh, I want to I wanna just say that too. Go and see a, a specialist and go and see someone like Dr. Ronald who, who's available and make an appointment if you have further questions around this. Um, doctor, the, so, so once they've done the vasectomy, does it, does it increase your, your risk on other health issues? You've had a vasectomy. You develop, God forbid, prostate cancer afterwards, and you are saying that it's the vasectomy that gave it to you. So um, that's, that's also a very good question. Um, that question has been asked before, and there has been some research done into whether vasectomy increases your risk of, of other health issues. The, the first question which men would often ask is, does it cause erectile dysfunction? And the answer to that mm. question is no. There's no evidence to show that having a vasectomy, and there's no reason for having a vasectomy to cause erectile dysfunction. And the second question which has been asked is, does having a vasectomy increase your risk of prostate cancer? And both of these have been studied, and the answer to that question is also no. There's no evidence that um, having a vasectomy can increase your risk of prostate cancer. So in terms of long-term problems, it's a very safe procedure. It doesn't contribute to any other health problems like high blood pressure or diabetes or anything like that. It's a very safe procedure. There are some longer-term complications from vasectomy which are extremely rare. One of them is is long-term testicular pain, um, which I don't have any patients in my practice who have, but it has been described in the literature about, about vasectomy. And so that's another thing which I counsel my patients about um, when I speak to them before the, before the procedure, but that's not really a long-term health issue. It's, it's more a, a complication of the vasectomy itself. Mm. But I certainly think that men who see me want to know about erectile function and, and prostate cancer risk, and neither of those are caused by vasectomy. And is that something that you can discuss with your urologist? Is is urology's function also to to discuss? Um, uh, I don't know how to say this without just being blunt. No, if, be blunt. If, 
Right. So if you are struggling and there, there are erection problems already, is this something that you discuss with your urologist or is that a completely different doctor or person? No, absolutely. You can discuss that with the, with the urologist. That's one of the things that we, we can assist patients with. I mean, obviously, your GP can also assist patients. And, and what the goal of – sorry, we're going a little bit all over the place here, but I think these are all yes, important yes. questions. Uh, the goal of assessing someone who's having difficulty with their erections or sexual dysfunction is, is to assess the, the things that are reversible, and we can correct those things, try and understand what the underlying cause is and correct that, and also identify when there's – is not something that's reversible, how then best to treat the erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's psychological components and we have to refer on to, to therapists who specialize in that kind of thing. Sometimes it's a, it's a simple problem and, and we can sort it out. But certainly a urologist is a good place to start. You can also start with your general practitioner there. You didn't really ask this, but it, it comes back to the question of, of what services does a urologist offer? And mm-hmm. perhaps if I, if I answer that question now, it may sort of put some context to all of these discussions. We are physicians and surgeons who focus on the kidneys, ureters, bladder, prostate, um, male external genitalia. So we, we deal with um, issues relating to kidneys, kidney stones, yeah. kidney tumors, kidney infections. We deal with bladder issues, um, incontinence, bladder infections, um, bladder cancer. We deal with prostate cancer a lot. Prostate issues, enlargement of the prostate, which men get as they get older. We deal with mm-hmm. testicular cancer um, and Particular issues we deal with fertility problems in men. We deal with penile issues and penile cancer and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And we also see children who have urological issues. We see ladies. Mm-hmm. Lots of people think that urologists only treat men, but ladies also have kidney problems, bladder problems, continence issues. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a very broad um, speciality, but it focuses on the urogenital system and um, particularly on kidneys, ureter, bladder, prostate, penis, um, and, and testes. Also totally off topic, I'll bring it back to you, uh, vasectomy now. In, in terms of circumcision in, in adult males, is that also something that a urologist would do? Absolutely. And there's lots of people who, who do circumcisions. Um, general surgeons can do circumcisions. It's a very straightforward and easy procedure. So it's not something that the urologist has to do. But it certainly is something that we're experienced at. And um, we lots of people have medical indications for circumcisions, and, and we assist with those. And some people want to have elective circumcisions for general hygiene and health reasons, and we also do a lot of those. So absolutely, if, you, if you're interested in having a circumcision, um, then you, must go, you can go and see a urologist. Back to vasectomies, because I, I think your field is very interesting. But So you've now decided to do a vasectomy. Can you store your sperm if you're not sure? Absolutely. So I mean, we, we're going to get on, I, I guess, in a moment, discussing whether a vasectomy can be reversed. But mm. if, you, if you want to have a vasectomy, but you still have a question of wanting to possibly have children in future, that would all come out in the consultation beforehand. If you would like to, to do preservation of, of sperm before the vasectomy, you absolutely can. It's, it's done at most of the facility, uh, fertility centers. You have to pay a, a yearly fee for storage and you have to pay a collection fee. Um, but once right. you've done that, you can store the sperm for as long as, as you would like to. And um, I mean, interestingly, we do that, for example, in, in our patients who we treat with testicular cancer, because often with testicular cancer, one of the testicles mm. has to be removed and the other one gets damaged if the patient's undergoing chemotherapy. And so we, we send those patients for um, sperm banking beforehand. And mm. if you'd like to do that before having a vasectomy in case you, you uh, would like to have kids after your procedure, that's absolutely possible to organize. Now the main one that I want to get to. Okay. Ay, ay, ay. Can one reverse it? You've done the vasectomy, you've remarried, and 
your wife wants children and can you can you reverse the procedure so once again that's a, a very important question um vasectomy can be reversed when we're doing the procedure surgically we're obviously doing it with the intention of it not failing and when we discussed failure earlier on in in the, the podcast we, we obviously don't want it to fail because the majority of people don't want to have their vasectomies reversed um so for example leaving a gap sometimes we fold the one end of the vas deferens over and suture it at a different level of the scrotum than the other side so it reduces the risk of it coming together but all of these things also make it more difficult to reverse another reason that it's more difficult to reverse or that it's difficult to reverse is that the vas deferens is very very small um and very narrow so you're dealing with um less than a millimeter diameter in terms of surgery so reversal is a microsurgical procedure it requires someone who's got experience with microsurgery and, and quite a few of us as urologists are able to do the procedure but you have to bring in a microscope to theater um the success rate for reversal is anything between 30 and 90% and there's lots of factors which which determine the success of reverse the, the vasectomy mm-hmm. reversal one is how the vasectomy was performed how aggressively we tried to prevent it from failing basically the amount of time since the vasectomy the longer that you leave it the less likely you are to have a successful reversal the experience of the surgeon obviously someone who's doing a lot of microsurgery gets a, a better chance of success than someone who isn't and also the age of the patient and sometimes um reversal fails because it rescars um so ironically sometimes vasectomy fails and sometimes um because the body heals it together and sometimes when you want the body to heal it doesn't um my mm. my advice to all patients and this comes back to discussion about psychological preparedness for the procedure you should consider it to be a permanent procedure when you're going into it and we right. know that circumstances change sometimes men get remarried for whatever reason and if if that happens we can attempt to reverse it but it's certainly not guaranteed that reversal will be a success, successful um and sometimes you need to have multiple attempts at reversing it before you get success and all those, those sort of factors I spoke about just now impact the chance of success but definitely I tell my patients you should consider this to be an irreversible procedure and if we do get to a situation when we need to reverse it we can try but it's not guaranteed another thing that south african patients need to know is that medical aids do not fund reversal of vasectomy um it was mm-hmm. done as an elective procedure so actually they they tend and this is probably an important discussion for the listeners medical aids usually do pay for vasectomy but they do not pay for reversal of vasectomy so that's something which the patient needs to find out of their own pocket um one more thought there Elon is that if you decide to have children after you've had a vasectomy you really have a, a few options one is to try and re- reverse the vasectomy the second is to go for an assisted fertility um like an in vitro fertilization with testicular mm-hmm. sperm extraction where they take the sperm directly out of the testis and use it for in vitro fertilization and the third option is to have sperm banking done before the vasectomy so and there are some options to have children after vasectomy but certainly the intention of the procedure is to make it successful and irreversible and if it comes to reversal we tackle that down the line and try try our best to get get a good result for the patient right right once sure this is so valuable once once you've done the vasectomy so how, first of all how long is the procedure you go under uh, anesthetic and how long do you stay in there and when do you get out oh so it's it's actually a very quick procedure it usually takes about 20 to 30 minutes to perform right. and um with the in and out of theater on either side or, i mean if you do it in the rooms you you can walk in have it done and walk out half an hour later if you right. if you do it in theater usually there's a, an hour beforehand to get you ready and a couple of hours afterwards to get you up and about and um feeling better from the anesthetic and then you go home on the same day 
In fact, many of my patients I don't actually see again after they've been discharged. If they have complications, they let me know and I bring them in to see. But the majority of them heal up nicely and um, we just do a telephonic follow-up um, three months down the line to make sure everything's going well and to make sure that the vasectomy has been successful. And that's a very important thing we need to still speak about is, yeah. is um, the period between the procedure and the time at which it becomes effective. And I'm, I'm sure you're going to ask me about that in a second. Um, and that's when I'm going to ask you about it. Like when, okay. when you know that you sterile, like how, how okay, long so, does it take for it to work? So that's very important. The reason why it doesn't work immediately is that at any point in time, there's sperm in the vas deferens working its way through towards the prostate. And, and the, the cycle of maturation of sperm actually takes about three months. So sperm, which is produced or ejaculated today, started its life in the testicle three months ago, um, right. which, is, which is an interesting discussion when you're having an infertility issue. Because if we do a semen analysis on a patient now, anything over the last three months could have affected the quality of their sperm. So we have to always bear that in mind. Why it's important for a vasectomy is at the point in time in which we cut the vas deferens, there's still sperm in the vas deferens working its way towards the prostate for ejaculation. And that takes about three months to work its way out of the system. And they say that you should have between 20 and 30 ejaculations to be able to flush all that sperm out. And you must take about eight to 12 weeks. I insist that my patients, and I think all urologists will do the same here, have a post-vasectomy semen analysis to confirm that there's no sperm in, in the semen. Um, and then we, we can say for certain that the vasectomy has been successful, and we then can say that, that the, the procedure is fine and they don't need to use alternate contraception. But it's very, very important. In that period between the procedure and the confirmatory post-vasectomy semen analysis, an alternate form of contraception does need to be used because that is the time period when you can have um, unexpected pregnancies because there's still, still sperm and there's still fertility. Can one go to the bathroom after the procedure? Like, so, so you've just had it. Do, do they have to wear a catheter or does it, do they, can you pee? Absolutely, you can pee. So um, l luckily, we don't go anywhere near the urethra or the prostate with the vasectomy. It's all done in the scrotum and there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to pass urine after the procedure. Most urologists, I don't think any urologists would routinely catheterize a patient during a vasectomy procedure. It's absolutely not necessary. When, when I discharge my patients, I, I ask them to make sure they've had a good walk around, um, that they've had a good wee, and they've had something to eat and drink. But I've never had a patient who's been unable to wee after a vasectomy. Having a general mm -hmm. anesthetic, if you have done the general anesthetic, can cause a little bit of hesitancy when you wee initially just because you've been under a deep anesthesia, but usually that settles down very quickly. Um, and we've never had, I've never had a patient who hasn't been able to wee. It shouldn't affect your urination at all. Do you give them a, a maintenance sheet after the procedure's been done? Uh, is there, is there certain, are there th certain things that you now need to not do or follow or? So absolutely. I actually give my patients a, a patient information leaflet about vasectomy before the procedure. And I encourage them to read it and to go through it with their, their partner and make sure that all the questions they have about it have been adequately answered in the consultation. And, and that also explains to them what to do after the procedure. But it's really straightforward. Um, we send the patients home sometimes with scrotal support, which is like a, a tight pair of, of briefs to help prevent inflammation and swelling in the scrotum. We usually send them home with an anti-inflammatory and a painkiller. They usually have a dressing on and we give them instructions on, on removal of that dressing. It's usually a waterproof dressing. You can shower with it and take it off after about three days. The stitches, are, we use our, our dissolving stitches, so you don't need to even come back to the stitches to be removed. 
And then we explain what complications to look out for and what to do if those complications develop. But other than that, I mean, I, I wouldn't advise going cycling day after a vasectomy, but most men take a couple right. of days off and then they, they slowly get back to their normal life. I had one patient who was training for a, uh, a major running event and he went back to training after 72 hours and he was fine. I wouldn't say that everyone should do that. You must listen to your body, but it's it's not a sort of procedure you need to take a prolonged time off or where you have, have difficulty in terms of recovery. It's usually very straightforward. Right. I, I hope that answers the question. No, it does. It does. After we've had our cesareans, doctor normally gives you advice on how to take good care and when you can have intercourse again. What's What's the time on a vasectomy? Uh, there's no reason not to have intercourse after the first 48 to 72 hours, in my opinion. I don't think there's a reason not to. You may have a little bit of blood in your semen, which is to be expected as a surgical procedure has been done, but you certainly can't do any, any harm or any damage. Um, most of the follow-up involves just keeping an eye out for complications and, and calling the urologist if there's anything untoward, um, like undue swelling, bruising, signs of infection, um, redness in or fever or anything like that. But as I said, as we discussed when we talked about complications, those are pretty rare side effects mm. and risks. And you, you briefly touched on, on a person's psychological readiness for a vasectomy and whether they need to go for therapy and counseling. And right. as urologists, we get lots of different reasons for people requesting vasectomies. Many, most patients are because they've got children and they don't want to have more children. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent as well. I've got three beautiful girls and I don't think I could cope with four kids. And, and that's absolutely why people yeah. come for vasectomies. But we also have people coming for vasectomies who have not yet got children. And that's a much more difficult discussion to have. Um, sometimes they're couples who decide they don't want to have children or they prefer to adopt. Um, we also sometimes get referred vasectomies for legal reasons, people who don't have capacity to look after children. And the court has decided that they need to have a vasectomy. And in those wow. cases, there's a lot more of a complex discussion beforehand. Sometimes those patients will be referred to a psychologist beforehand for, for assessment. But my advice to any couple or any, any man who's considering a vasectomy is um, make sure that you've chatted to your partner about it. I think it is a decision that's best made as a, as a couple rather than as a single person. Um, and um, once you once you had a dis discussion as a couple that you don't want to have more children, then it's, it's quite an easy decision whether you'd like to go ahead for the vasectomy or not. That being said, it's it's not really it's a bit of a gray area if you're going to refuse a patient to vasectomy if he hasn't discussed it with his partner. And sometimes we have single men who don't have partners who want to have a vasectomy. And all, all I'm saying here is that in those cases, we have an in-depth discussion about what the implications and the pros and cons of vasectomy are, the chances of reversal, as we've discussed today. And ultimately, it comes down to the man's decision whether he wants to go ahead or not. Um, but certainly, if you're in a, in a relationship and you, or if you're married, I would strongly recommend to make that decision as a couple, and I would strongly advise both members of the couple to come into the, the consultation so that they both have an understanding of, of what the process is. Very good advice. Very, very good advice. Oh, wow. Well, Doctor, thank you so much. This has pleasure. been yeah, This has been really, really amazing. Uh, we thank you for your time. We don't often have have a lot of um, healthcare practitioners and people giving us their time because you're busy. And so we, we want to say thank you very much for your time today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. 
Fed Health. We let you be you.